Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. This is Shepherdology. Hello there, my pastor friend. I'm a little bit late this time. I try to get these episodes up every two weeks twice a month, I should say, two times a month, and I try to get them up on Monday morning in time for you to finish up your Sunday ministry responsibilities and hopefully get up on a Monday and uh, take the time to listen and find something that's encouraging for you. But uh, the weekend had some events and various things going on that kept me from getting this finished, and so here we are. A day or so late, but that's okay. I think you'll still benefit from what I'm going to be sharing with you. And uh, sometimes uh, things just happen that delay us, don't they? You know how that is. In fact, we'll be touching on that a little bit in what we talk about here today. But I do want to thank you for listening to Shepherdology. I've been personally encouraged and blessed by the impact of this podcast. And I trust and pray that it is an encouragement to you because that is my heart. In fact, someone mentioned to me that it seems like this podcast fills a niche because it's not so much how-to or addressing issues of the day, but uh, focused on encouraging you and being a friend to you. And so that is my desire, and I'm really glad to hear that it is meeting that need. Now, I start each time with an encouraging truth, and I want to do that here today, start with an encouraging truth. And this is kind of fun because last Sunday morning, the pastor of the church that I attend here in Iowa preached on one of the key passages that relates to pastors and their ministry. He preached from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4. through 4. Now, his name is Lance Augsburger. Pastor Lance is preaching right through the book of 1 Peter, and he is talking about the truths within 1 Peter in the context of suffering and finding help and hope from God when life hurts, because the book of 1 Peter is a lot about the hurtful circumstances of life and how Christians respond to that. And he pointed out as he began talking about the ministry of pastors— that Peter's instructions to pastors come right after a statement that talks about the suffering of God's people. So listen to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, and I think you're going to find this very encouraging. Peter says, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. What an encouraging verse for Christians, that when you suffer, you can entrust your soul to a faithful creator, and you can continue doing what's right and honoring God in how you live, but you entrust yourself to God. And then the chapter break happens there, but the thought continues on, and Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, those are familiar instructions to pastors, and I'm not going to walk through those and and expound on those, but I want to make the connection that my pastor did. And that is the fact that God uses pastors, and we know that, that the word elder here is somewhat synonymous with pastor, and this is where he uses all three terms, elder, pastor, and overseer, in, in somewhat of a synonymous way. But, but he's saying that, that pastors are to shepherd the flock of God and be examples to them, and the context of this is suffering. And, and here is what he said, my pastor said. He said, God is using pastors to minister to the church and as an instrument of God's care for church members and Christians during times of suffering. You see, all Christians suffer, and all Christians go through periods of suffering, and church life often is, is characterized by the, the problems and the suffering and the hardship and the hurts that, that people have. And as pastors, we end up ministering to people through those difficult times, through those times of hardship and pain. That can become discouraging to you because you feel like, oh man, it seems like there's always problems and people are always going through trials and I'm always there at the worst of times and trying to say the right thing and bring comfort and encourage them. Well, here's the, the encouraging truth for you is God is using you to help people follow Christ through their times of suffering. He, Peter talks about the fact that he was a, a witness of the sufferings of Christ and he says, you are examples to the flock, and the chief shepherd will appear. And there's a focus there on following Christ and on pastors being an example to the, the believers around him of following Christ, and that's in the context of suffering. So as you follow Christ, you are an example to others of following Christ, and it's all in that context of painful experiences in life. So my pastor friend, here's the encouraging truth. God is using you to help people follow Christ and to grow as believers through those times of suffering. So when you become discouraged because the problems are complex and the burdens are heavy and the hurts are deep and you're trying to minister to people in those, just recognize you are God's agent, you are God's instrument. You are a shepherd under the chief shepherd who is ministering to the flock of God, helping them grow through their times of suffering. I just found that very encouraging, and I wanted to pass that along to you, and maybe it will help you to see those instructions in 1 Peter 5, not just as a list of, of a pastor's responsibilities and the attitudes he should have, but how he should live before his people in difficult times and in their times of, of hardship and suffering so that they can follow Christ. Now, we're going to talk about a topic today that I hope will encourage especially some of you, and we're going to be talking about the area of being a solo pastor. And I want to talk about 10 best practices for a solo pastor. Now, I've been a solo pastor, and I've been in situations where most of the responsibility fell on me, 
and I was ministering to and with a group of people that uh, were not in vocational ministry, were not in full-time ministry like I was. And there are unique challenges that go with that. And the reality is that most churches in the United States have around 75 regular Sunday morning worshipers. Some of them meet in buildings that are church buildings. Uh, Some of them meet in um, rented locations or even sometimes in people's homes. And there are situations where the, the pastor is the only one who bears that ultimate responsibility, and you feel that, and that becomes a challenge for you. You get up early, you might meet uh, a new believer or some man in the church for an early breakfast to disciple or counsel that man. Then maybe you drive to your church building and it's an empty building and you walk in and there's nobody there to greet you or to have it warm when you walk in or have the coffee ready or anything like that. You just walk into an empty building and you go to your place where you study and you spend hours there alone by yourself preparing for Sunday, Uh, possibly during that time. Uh, Your phone buzzes, and you see names on the screen of people in your church who are trying to contact you, and you wonder if you should answer that message or or answer that phone call. Um, Possibly people stop by the church, and uh, they just want to talk to you, and they spend time with you, but then they move on, and, and you just find yourself kind of all alone. At the same time, there can be many responsibilities that fall on you. You spend time planning and coordinating for the upcoming deacon meeting or the church activity. Uh, You gather the information for the church bulletin and for the website and the Facebook page, and you are the one who enters that information. And you, you collect the information for the announcements, and you... You um, form those announcements. Maybe you're the one who is making those announcements. Uh, You are scheduling things on the church calendar. You drive away from the church building, and you look at the the grass, and you think, oh, boy, I wonder if somebody signed up to mow the grass this week. And maybe in that uh, afternoon or even during the evening, you go to visit someone in their home, possibly a church member who you know is going through a time of need, or maybe somebody who needs counseling, or there might be a meeting during the evening, deacon meeting or something else, and you're out during the evening, and just from morning to night, you are going and you are ministering and you are bearing that responsibility. And on Sunday, you get there before anybody else does, and you unlock the building, and you turn on the lights, and you straighten some chairs, and make sure the bulletins are out, and you spend a few minutes praying before people get there, and you start greeting people, and maybe you find out that the nursery worker didn't show up, and so you tell your wife, and she ends up doing it. And again, the the responsibility falls on you, and you are trying to be focused on your sermon and deliver the message God has put on your heart that you hope will change lives. You feel totally unprepared and maybe distracted And you pray, God, you know, I've prepared the best I can, but I've been trying to juggle all these responsibilities, and I just don't feel like I'm ready as I should be, and please help me get through this. And you do your best, and you preach the Word, but you don't feel that great about it. And maybe on the way out, somebody says, Pastor, 
that was just what I needed. How did you know what I needed? And you realize, you know, it's not so much my effort, but God's blessing that really makes the difference. And and there there are challenges and there are joys of being the the only shepherd, the solo pastor in a church like that. And I think it can be discouraging. And what I would like to do is is talk about a few priorities and and then lead into some best practices for a solo pastor that I think will help you. So what should your priorities be? And I've touched on these before in other podcasts, so I'll just mention them. Your first priority is your relationship with God. So walk with God. Just have time with the Lord. Grow personally. Mature in your Christian life. Feed on the Word. Meditate in the Scriptures. Open your heart in prayer to God. And just be faithful and steady in your walk with God. Guard your purity. Uh, If you're alone a lot, there are temptations, and so make sure you have that accountability in place and keep your heart and your mind where they need to be. So that's your first priority, is just, just walk with God. Your next priority, of course, is your wife and children. So be a husband and a father. Spend time with them. Have good conversations with them. Do things together. And just enjoy your family. And then, yes, be that shepherd. Tend to your flock. Shepherd the flock of God. I've talked previously about the responsibilities of a pastor in in three areas. The ministry of the Word, and that is both public and personal. Your care for people, spiritually caring for people through the, the joys and the sorrows of life. And then leadership and oversight of the church. A pastor is in a place of leadership and giving guidance to the church as a body and as an organization as well. So so feed them with the word, lead the work, and care for the people. So be a shepherd. So there are your priorities, your relationship with God, your wife and children, and your work as the shepherd of the flock. But as a solo pastor, what are some ways that you can faithfully carry out these responsibilities in your setting and considering the challenges that you have? Well, the first one is love your people. Love your people. You know, I think we can become a little bit discontent. We can become a little bit um, enamored with, with other places and maybe the people that other pastors have and bigger churches and, and what seems to be more efficient organizations um, churches that have, you know, a pastoral team. And those are all good things if God gives them to you and puts you in that situation. But if you're a solo pastor, love your people. Build relationships with them. That's one of the blessings of pastoring a smaller church, is that you can get to know people. You can spend time with them. You can visit them. You can meet men for lunch. You can have families for dinner. Uh, you can maybe stop by where they work, depending on the situation. When men ask you to go to a game or, or go hunting, you have the freedom to do that and just love them and be there for them. And the times when they are sick or they have surgery or somebody in their family has a, a graduation or if their family is going through a severe trial— That's a time when you can just be there for them and love them. 
So the first best practice for a solo pastor is to love your people. The second one is be patient with your people. Be patient with them. Just take them from where they are to where they should be. Now, you've probably spent years in school and maybe seminary, and you've been studying the Bible in in depth and detail, and you're ready to talk about, you know, complicated doctrinal issues and and theological concepts. And, you know, most of your people are just common people, and some of them are, you know, more educated than others and can more readily grasp some of these complicated things. But just just take them from where they are to where they should be. Don't be frustrated by that. And be careful about imposing a big church mentality in a small church setting. Just happened this way in my life. My family attended a fairly large church. It was probably eight to 900 people in that church at the time when I was growing up. And then when I was a youth pastor, it was a larger church. It was about 700 people in that church. And so I was familiar with the way things operate and how things function, how a pastor um, functions in, in that setting. So when I began pastoring a smaller church, I had to make an adjustment in my mind and not impose that bigger church mentality in the setting of a smaller church and as a solo pastor. And it's important to do that. And so that goes goes with being patient with people and just, just meet them where they are, love them where they are, and then, yes, lead them to where they should be in their understanding of the Bible and in the way that they, they practice church life. All right, here's the third best practice for a solo pastor. Establish your own personal schedule. Have a schedule. And you need to have a plan for how you're going to spend your time or else other people will plan it for you or you'll just waste it. You just need to have a plan for how you're going to spend your time, what your study hours are, the hours you're going to spend with planning and administration, visits, appointments, that kind of thing. You always have to be flexible, but you need to be disciplined with your use of time. However, keep this in mind, people are not interruptions they are God's appointments. Here it is again. People are not interruptions. They are God's appointments. And you got to keep that in mind. So there you are in your church office, and you're studying away, and you're just immersed in the scriptures, and your mind is working, and the thoughts are flowing. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, pastor, you got a minute? And you know it's not going to be just a minute. It's probably going to be a half an hour or more. And just remember, you know what? God knows, and he allowed this person to come, and I'm going to love him, going to spend some time with him. So so establish a schedule that's reasonable, that you are disciplined with, but also that you're flexible with. All right, here's the fourth best practice. Develop leaders. Develop leaders. Disciple your men. Identify men who have potential for growth and for more involvement and eventually for leadership. Establish relationships with them. Build relationships with your deacons and with other key men. And and depending on your situation, you may be able to develop entry-level positions of leadership. So, for example, you might be able to have someone who oversees the facilities. You might have somebody who is able to oversee the sound and technology. You might have somebody oversee the the welcome ministry, so greeters and ushers and and the bulletins and all of that, and and just develop people toward that. 
you want to be careful about putting people into leadership prematurely. It's better to wait, but but develop those leaders and and craft positions that they can step into and, and take. And then as you begin to meet with those leaders regularly, you can share leadership principles and you can address issues and you can answer their questions. And there's a long-term benefit from that of developing leaders. And that's another topic we could spend a lot of time on, but that's just one of the best practices for a solo church pastor. And then number five is develop some procedures, develop procedures. For example, let's say you plan a church picnic and then all of a sudden you realize a Sunday school class has planned an activity that day. And there was no communication about what's on the church calendar and is there anything else happening on that day. You know, you might have planned it six months in advance, the church picnic, and and three months or two months before the date the Sunday school class announces they're having an outing on that day. So you've got to develop a procedure where you have a church calendar and you let people know there's a calendar and that there's a process for requesting, getting approval for events that go on the calendar. Make sure they understand that nothing gets planned officially or announced uh, unless that's been submitted ahead and cleared through uh, your process there. So that that's one example. Another would be for, for building maintenance. And as a solo pastor, I know people can start coming to you and saying, hey, pastor, do you know the light bulb in the basement classroom is out? Hey, pastor, do you know the toilet in the ladies' restroom is running? And on and on it goes. And and that can just begin to to burden you down. I encourage you to develop some type of procedure. For example, putting a maintenance request form in a little rack in the lobby and, and announcing to people, hey, if there's something wrong with the building, boy, we sure want to take good care of our building and we want to make sure things are working well. So if you notice a problem, just jot it on that note and drop it in the box there and we'll make sure that gets taken care of. Little systems like that can relieve you of, of the details of responsibility that can encumber you. Approach it in a positive way. You're not trying to impose a bunch of rules and, and procedures on people. Say, hey, we want to have an effective ministry. We want to meet needs. We want to take good care of, of our facilities. And this is an efficient way that we can do this. Number six, best practice for a solo pastor. Hire an administrative assistant as soon as you can. Hire an administrative assistant when it's possible. In other words, somebody who will help you with the administrative tasks of ministry. Now, there may be volunteers who do it, and that's great, but there comes a tipping point where there's so many details, and they need to be done in an efficient way and a way that communicates quality, that you need help doing it. And you've got to be willing to look for a person who can help you with that. Now, if you're a solo pastor, you don't want to be alone in your church building, uh, in the office there with a, a lady secretary. That's not a good idea, unless, of course, she's your wife. But just somebody who who can possibly even work from home, uh, maybe even as like a virtual assistant who can handle things with communication, with uh, the bulletin, um, receiving calls. In our in our culture, with the the use of of the computer and the cell phone. The pastor bears a lot of administrative responsibility because people communicate directly with you by email and by cell phone. And so it helps if you can somehow have someone in place as a gatekeeper and and, and figure out a way to, to direct some of that communication to that administrative assistant and place some of that responsibility, the bulletin, the Facebook page, all of that 
on that person. And it's amazing how much that will relieve you. If you can put that in your budget, if you can find just the right person, maybe somebody who's already a member of the church, they can be a huge help to you. Number seven, best practice of a solo pastor. Do the best you can with what you have. You want to strive for excellence, but be careful about alienating people and frustrating people. And again, if if you're in a small church setting, resources are limited, traditions are held dear, you have to be careful about changes that you make, but you do want to, to do the best you can, but be conscious of what you have. I developed a little saying as we were making improvements and, and, and developing ministry, people are worth it, and he is worthy. People are worth it, and he is worthy. In other words, if we're going to do something, we want to do it well, because people are worth it, and because Jesus Christ is worthy of our best effort and the best that we can do. So do the best you can with what you have. Best practice for a solo pastor number eight, be who you are. Be content with who God made you to be. Be content to the ministry that he gave you. God has uniquely gifted you to minister where you are to the people that he has given to you. You're a unique person, and be thankful for that. And when you listen to the big-name speakers or you read their blogs or, or their books, you can become enamored with that and with the, the bigness and, and the status that comes with that. Listen, God has made you for the people and the place where you serve. Be you. Oh, of course, you're changing, you're growing, you're becoming more like Christ, but, but be the personality and, and the person with the gifts that God has given you in that place. And number nine goes with that. Be where you are. Be where you are. Rather than dreaming of a bigger and better situation, and rather than imposing what you see others doing and what you hear about, just just be where you are. Love those people, develop ministry, grow them in Christ, grow the church in Christ, and be blessed in that place where you are. And then number 10 circles all the way back around, be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. Think about it. Jesus had how many disciples? Twelve. And if each of those twelve disciples had a wife and, let's say, four kids, do the math, twelve times six is seventy-two. That's an average size church. He is our example, isn't he? And just like we talked about at the beginning from the passage in 1 Peter You know, Peter says, shepherd the flock, and the chief shepherd is going to come. We are his under-shepherds. So he's our example. Learn from him. Now, I want to end with a quote from Charles Jefferson's The Minister as Shepherd. How, then, can a young man with limited experience, undeveloped sympathies, an impatient temper, a longing for attention, a life of self-expression, and a passion for ideas, become a true shepherd of his people? First of all, let him study afresh the life of the ideal shepherd, that's capital S, shepherd, and then let him day by day, both by prayer and self-sacrificing deeds, endeavor to build up in himself the mind of Christ. So there's the key. Get to know the shepherd, 
the chief shepherd, the ideal shepherd, and, and let his mind grow in you and have the mind of Christ about your ministry and have the heart of Christ for your people and shepherd them and love them and be an example to them and lead them and feed them as a representative of the chief shepherd because he's the one that we answer to, isn't it? He's the one whom we serve. He is the one who laid down his life for the sheep. Now, we've talked about these 10 practices for a solo pastor pretty quickly, but I hope that they'll prompt some thoughts, maybe some encouragement, and maybe some changes in your own thinking or even how you do ministry. So I pray they will encourage you. And would you please right now, just in your heart, wherever you are, let me pray for you and you join with me in your heart and in your thoughts. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you are our shepherd. You lay down your life for us. You feed us. You lead us. You care for us. You love us. And I pray that you'll help my pastor friends to devote themselves to knowing you, to representing you, to truly, in every sense of the word, serving you and leading others to follow you as well. And I pray for my solo pastor friends, whoever and wherever they are, may they know the joy of this service, this following in in your footsteps and on the path that you tread ahead of them, and that they would find great instruction in your example. And Father, I pray for contentment, and I pray for the, the heart of love, and I pray that you would give them patience and just help them, I pray, to serve faithfully and love their people and lead their people where they are. And may you help each of these men, these pastor friends, to just give themselves to their people and to lead them to follow Christ. And we look forward to the day when we will meet you and you will reward us and we will glorify you. Help us to do it all for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, my pastor friend. I'd love to connect with you. I'm on Twitter at DeanHTaylor63, email shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com, my website, DeanHTaylor.com. Would love to connect and share more with you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put these 10 best practices on my website just as a simple list probably not with much comment or explanation. So that way you can uh, find them if you would like to. And so they'll be at deanhtaylor.com. Lord bless you, my pastor friend. Let's get together again, and we'll talk shepherdology.